Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 54 of the Flying Free Podcast. In this episode, I want to talk about a problem. The problem is this. Many of us have become ghosts of ourselves. God created us to be these multidimensional, colorful beings made in His image to fulfill His purpose for our lives, you know, to be queens in this world. And we have become fearful ghosts. We're afraid. We're afraid of people. We're afraid of what might happen. We're afraid of what others think about us. And when you're a ghost, there isn't much substance or strength to you, is there? So you become an easy target for predators to prey on. This isn't right that we are ghosts. It's not our destiny in Jesus Christ. That's the enemy's goal for us, because when we're ghosts, our power to fulfill God's purpose is neutralized. So let's talk about eternity for just a minute. When I think about eternity, I think maybe it will be like the scene in The Wizard of Oz where Dorothy leaves the dull, dry, colorless world of Kansas and enters into the vibrant, bright, alive, energetic, colorful world of Oz. That's what I imagine it will be like to enter eternity. Now, let's think about Jesus Christ. I imagine that while now he lives in a spirit form in the essence of who we are and he lives in our mind's eye in an imagination kind of way, in eternity, face to face, we're going to be amazed to see his reality, to experience all of his bright dimensions. It's like comparing something solid to something ethereal or ghost-like. When Jesus came to this earth, he brought the solidness of God down to this planet. Nobody was able to turn him into a ghost. He never lost himself. He stayed solid and strong from the beginning of his life to the very end. And he fully embraced all of this earthly human experience, the joys and the sorrows, the love and the abuse. When people waved palm branches and sang his praises, he was consistently solid in who he was. When they called him the son of the devil, he was consistently solid in who he was. What if we could be that solid? I believe that's our opportunity here. Jesus wants us to reclaim ourselves. And you know how he's going to do that? by helping you understand the skills you already have within yourself that he put there to rescue yourself. He did not create you to be a helpless princess in need of rescuing. He created you to be Captain Marvel. And if you haven't seen that movie, you need to go see that. Do you know the reason that we became ghosts of ourselves? Some of you might be thinking it was because of your childhood. You grew up in a dysfunctional home where you were abused. Some of you might add that you were also bullied in school. Some of you would say that you've lived a life of rejection and loss. And some would say your abusive partner has erased you and turned you into a ghost. And all of you would be right, in a way. 
but those things are not the real reasons you became a ghost. And if you believe that, then there is no hope for you to ever come to life as the queen that you are deep inside. No, we have gone from queens to ghosts, not because of what other people have done to us, but because of what we believe. We don't believe we are queens, and we do believe we deserve to be ghosts, and that God even wants us to be ghosts. And our beliefs are reinforced every day, not by the things that happen to us or the things that others tell us, because all those bad things happened to Jesus, and he was defined in all kinds of horrible ways by people, and yet he remained a king in full color. No, our beliefs are reinforced every day by the things we tell ourselves. So we can't just say, I'm a ghost because of everyone else. They erased me. If we say that, we'll never get our power back because we can't control what other people think about us or what they say about us. To get our power back, we have to be able to say, I am a ghost because of what I've chosen to believe. Now we have power to change. So here's another way of looking at this. Pretend that your life, who you are as a human being, is a house on a pretty little lot. You were given this house when you were born. Now keep in mind, this is a metaphor, okay? Your house and your yard are your body. They represent your body and your mind and your spirit. You've got a fence around your house and inside your fence, you have a nice green yard with some flowers and trees and bushes. Your home is painted a lovely color and it's your favorite. And inside your home are all the things that make you, you. Now on your block are other homes. They belong to other people. But when you were born, you weren't given those homes. You were given your home and it will be your home until you die. You will never be given another home and God will never give your home to someone else. God gave you that home and said, I want you to be responsible for this home and this yard. You get to steward the things I put inside your home, like your gifts, your personality, your opportunities, your resources. Take care of these things. Take care of your yard. Take pride in your home and the work you do to make it a beautiful image of my son. I put a fence around your home. You get to decide who you let in. Only let in truth. Don't let in lies. Lies are like termites. They'll destroy your home at the foundation where you can't see them, and one day the whole thing will cave in. So keep your home full of the light of my love and my truth, and it will stand strong. Only let in people who are respectful of your home and my light in you. If you let in people of the lie, they will bring the termites and the darkness. And by the way, people of the lie are not unbelievers. More often than not, they are the Pharisees. These people will break your precious pieces of treasure I placed in your home when you were born. You don't need to feel guilty about sending them away if you do wake up and realize they have made themselves at home in your home. I gave them their own home, so they aren't missing out on anything when you send them back to their homes. They must be responsible for their home and leave yours alone. Now, 
Here's the lie that some people will tell you about that picture I just gave you about your home. And I hope you'll be able to see the lie more clearly now that you see the truth more clearly. Because the Bible says to love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself. This means that in the same way you respect your home, keeping it in good condition and taking pride in your work, so you will respect your neighbor's home, doing your part when you visit to keep it in good condition and taking pride in their hard work. But here's what the lie says. Your home is not your home. It belongs to all of us. And if you're a nice person, you'll let any one of us come in at any time without your permission and do whatever we want. And if you don't allow this, that means you're a mean, selfish shrew. When someone comes in and disrespects your home by breaking your treasures or eating all of your food and maybe taking a dump in your toilet and clogging it and then walking out so you can clean up the mess and you decide not to let them in the next time they come barging through your gate, that's going to mean that you are a bitter and self-centered woman, unwilling to forgive, unwilling to serve others. If you take a break to try to rebuild what was broken, and you only invite one or two people to join you in that rebuilding process, you may be told that you're rude and a recluse, that you're not trusting God and you're not being fair and you're not being generous. This is the propaganda that is all over in the modern Christian neighborhood, and it's false. I used to believe this. I wanted everyone to know that I was a nice person they could trust. I was generous and kind and forgiving, but I misunderstood how to live a life of generosity and kindness and forgiveness. I let anyone in, and then I resented people who came in and wreaked havoc. I was angry when they broke my treasures but I did very little about it because I believed the lie that boundaries were mean. I was afraid to go out into the sunshine because I was hiding from the abuses of others, and then I resented them for my lack of sun. I began to take very little pride in who I was, for I didn't believe my home was really mine to begin with. In fact, I believed the propaganda that said my main responsibility was my husband's home. So I neglected mine while meddling with his. This is what he and all the other folks in the neighborhood expected. They expected that if it was a man's home, his woman was responsible for tending his garden and making sure it had great curb appeal. Meanwhile, he did nothing in his home, but kept invading mine and destroying it. I felt unworthy of having a nice home, unworthy of having good people come to visit, I felt like my home had little value and little interest. I felt hopeless and helpless to change anything about my home. Wouldn't it be nice to wake up knowing that your home was yours and that you got to decide what to do with it, when and how, that you were responsible not for your husband's home or your adult child's home or your mother's home or your friend's home, but just for your home, that you got to choose who you let in and who you kept out and when? who you would talk to over the fence, and who you'd invite inside for coffee. When you're a whole person in full color, walking in truth, you will experience more fulfillment in life, more fo focus and more freedom. Your relationships will begin to shift, and you will become one of your greatest advocates and friends instead of being one of your greatest enemies. If God cares about your home, 
and gave you the important job of being responsible for it, you absolutely must care for it as well. That's how you honor the Creator, by being a good steward of His good gifts to you. I'm going to be using a tool that Brooke Castillo teaches in her podcast called The Life Coach School, and I'm going to apply it to what we're learning in this episode. Do you know what motivates us to action? Our feelings. All human beings do things that make us feel good, and we tend to avoid things that make us feel bad. That's how God wired us. Don't ask me why, it's just the way it is. Human beings live their lives trying to increase all the good feels and decrease the bad ones. And do you know what causes all these emotions or feelings that we have? Our thoughts. What we think about causes us to either feel good or bad. We believe what we tell ourselves. That's how we create our beliefs, by repeating something over and over again in our heads. When you think a thought over and over again, your brain begins to believe it. That's how God made us. Isn't it amazing? And if that's true, it means that we can actually change our beliefs by changing what we think. And that's good news. Now, I didn't know about this. I thought my beliefs came from my church and my parents and the books I read, but they don't. Our beliefs come from our thoughts. Because think about it. How many times have you heard someone say something that you didn't believe? Or how many times have you read something that you didn't believe? When you heard that thing or read that thing, did it force you to believe it? No. Your thoughts about what you heard or read dictated what you chose to believe about it. So when Bill Gothard would come into town when I was a child and he would talk about basic life principles every night for a week, I chose to believe all the things he said. And that created a result in my life of becoming a self-righteous prick. When my mom told me I was too emotional and I bawled too loud and I did it for attention, I chose to believe I was a big, ugly, selfish ball baby. And that created a result in my life of thinking that it was selfish to be sad or to have negative feelings. And when my pastor told me that I should quit my teaching job and go into full-time ministry, I chose to believe that was a good idea. And that had the result of changing the entire course of my life. And when my husband told me that my ideas and opinions were stupid, I chose to believe him. And that had the result of my experiencing anxiety, fear, and depression. Is it any wonder that God's word tells us to hang out with wise men, to think about what is good and true and pure? Because if we're hanging out, spending time with, and listening to abusive people or fools, we will start to think their thoughts, and that will cause us to have a certain kind of emotion, like shame or fear or anger or frustration or hopelessness or anxiety. And those emotions will cause us to make decisions in line with those feelings And those decisions will create our destiny. Is this content resonating with you? I've written a book for women of faith in destructive relationships called Is It Me? Making Sense of Your Confusing Marriage, A Christian Woman's Guide to Hidden Emotional and Spiritual Abuse. You can read reviews and find out more about my book on Amazon.com. It comes in paperback, Kindle, and Audible formats. And new for 2020, I've created a companion workbook for Is It Me? also available on Amazon. This workbook is like 11 power-packed therapy sessions to help you process through the important material you'll be learning from my book. 
These books are recommended by counselors and therapists all over the United States. I've also got a website specifically focused on helping women of faith find hope and healing. It's called flyingfreenow.com. I'll even give you the first chapter of my book and the first chapter of my companion workbook for free when you hop on my mailing list at the top of my website. Those two resources are going to help you figure out if your relationship is normal or destructive. And now let's get back to our episode. So if you feel crappy most of the time, what does that say about what you're thinking? When we live with a toxic person, they are telling us lies about ourselves, and we are running those lies through our head, thinking about them all the time. And then, because they are repetitive, we believe them. When we believe them, we have feelings and emotions attached to those beliefs. We feel ugly and stupid. We feel that way not because someone told us we were ugly and stupid, even though they did, but because we believed that about ourselves. It's so important that we get this because you're not going to get yourself back because someone else gives yourself back to you. You're only going to get yourself back when you reclaim yourself. And this is how you do it. Think about a wild field with a well-worn road running through the middle of it. How did that road get there? It got there from vehicles riding over it again and again over the course of a few years. Now, if you wanted to start a new road, you'd need to run your vehicle over some pretty rough terrain at first, and it wouldn't be easy for a while, but eventually you'd have a new pathway through that wild field. This is how the neural pathways in our brains work. We either continue to use the same ones over and over, or we create new connections so that the old ones eventually disconnect and disappear. This is called rewiring your brain, and it is essential to your healing. So I teach an exercise in the Flying Free Sisterhood group called the ABCDE tool. It was created by Albert Ellis, and it has changed my life. Brooke Castillo teaches a revised version of this model that I find easier to grasp, and I'm going to teach it to you so you can begin this rewiring process on your own. I'm going to take a couple of examples from my own life to show you how this tool works. So the first step is to identify the thing that happened. This is the circumstance or activating agent. This is the problem, okay? So for example, here's the problem. Here's my problem. Members of my family of origin and also my ex-husband abused me in different ways. Now, these activating agents or problems are neutral until we think a thought about them. Now that that's hard to grasp, I realize, because it seems like that problem I just stated would be a negative, but it's actually not. So consider all circumstances to be neutral until you think a thought about it. Because think about it, the fact that my loved ones treated me abusively was not a negative thing for them. They thought it was just fine. They had no problem with it. I'm the one who thought it was a negative. So it doesn't really matter what my reasons were for thinking it was negative. The fact is that I thought it was a negative and that created a bad feeling inside of me, which we're going to come to in just a minute. So that's the second thing, though, that we're going to look at then is our thought about the circumstance. And my thought about this was, if my family and husband treat me like I'm worth nothing, then I must be worth nothing. I mean, they know me best, right? So they would know. I 
and worthless and unlovable. So that was my thought most of my life. Now, step three is identifying how that thought makes us feel. So for me, that thought made me feel despairing. Now, I could talk about lots of other feelings, but they would probably be connected to other thoughts that I had about that circumstance. For example, I might also be feeling angry about it. This feeling would be coming from uh, a different thought like this, maybe. It's not right that I've been treated this way. So I'd have that thought and that would create the feeling of anger. Okay, but when you do this exercise, you just want to focus on one thought and one main feeling that you have about that one thought. So I'm going to focus on the thought that I'm unlovable and the feeling of despair that creates within me. Now, the fourth step is to ask myself, what do I do when I feel that feeling of despair? So step four is the action that we take as a result of feeling that feeling. And for me, when I feel despair over the thought that I'm unloved, I work hard to be worthy and win their love. So this meant that I tried to please everyone. I would grovel and fawn. And what you do, your action, creates step number five, the result. The result of my action was that I got burnt out. I was exhausted and I felt worse than ever. I began to actually believe that I was the crappy person that my husband said I was. So there's nothing we can do about the facts that people in our life treat us like crap, okay? But what I want to show you is how you can take your queenly power back and stop making that fact mean that you are worthless or that something is wrong with you. Because remember, Jesus also got treated like crap, and he never let that mean anything about who he was. And that's our goal, right? To live like him. So if we can't change the fact of our experience, what can we change? The thought we have about that experience. So let's start back at the beginning and see what happened when I began to think differently about the facts of my life. So here's the fact again. Members of my family treated me poorly or abused me. So my thought, my new thought, and this is what I began to think, and this is a process to make these new pathways, but my new thought was, what was broken in their lives that they would abuse a family member? So do you see the shift here? Their abuse of me began to tell me something about them, not me. And this thought created a shift in my feelings I began to feel compassion for myself and repulsion for their behavior. I no longer believed that they were better than me and that their behavior was justified and that I was a worthless, unlovable dummy. I now saw myself as worthy of love and them as ignorant of how to care for the hearts of other people. So what was the action? When I started feeling like that, my action was that I started inviting them to get help, and I began to set boundaries. I also began to create safe space between myself and them. And then, finally, what was the result of this new action? I got some wonderful results. I got freedom. I ended up with the ability to think clearly, the ability to find space and emotional resources to do more important work. Now, notice how my worth isn't even an issue in the second scenario. So let's try another one. 
Here's a fact or a circumstance. My ex-husband was telling everyone that I had borderline personality disorder and that I abused him. So my thought about this was, this is not right. I need to correct this so people know the truth about me. The feeling that this thought created was panic. The action that I did as a result of that feeling was that I spent a lot of emotional time and energy writing emails, defending myself, writing texts, defending myself, trying to get my husband to stop, trying to get my kids to believe me, trying to get everyone else to believe me. The result? Exhaustion. And people actually began to believe my ex even more because I was acting like a panicked cat in a corner instead of a badass adult woman. So here's the rewire. Let's go back to the fact or the circumstance. My ex-husband is telling everyone I have borderline personality disorder and that I abused him. Here's my new thought. Wow, now that's interesting. I wonder where he got that from. I guess I will find out who my real friends are. My feelings were sadness. The action that I had when I had those sad feelings was to grieve in healthy ways to sit with the feelings of sadness, to wait and watch what happens. Now, this was uncomfortable, obviously, but that was the action that I was inspired when I just sat and embraced the fact that it made me sad. The result was that I lost some friends, but I also gained emotional and mental space in my life for new, authentic friendships based on who I am and not based on what other people say about me. So I would like you to try this on your own, and I think it's going to be really, really helpful for you. Get out a piece of paper and draw five lines across it and write down the words circumstance, thought, feeling, action, and result. And try this out the next time you get triggered or freaked out about something. This exercise will take you from ghost to queen. Thank you for joining me today. Until next time, fly free.